Hi, I'm Rosie Acosta. I'm a meditation teacher, speaker, and author of You Are Radically Loved, a healing journey to self-love. Look, I grew up in East Los Angeles during the 92 LA riots, and it set me on a troubled path. I didn't grow up with mentors in my life, so I turned to reading as many books as I possibly could to learn about the purpose of life. In my journey, I found that having these conversations gave me life, and I decided I wanted to create a place where I could share these conversations with my community. So come have a sit with me as we learn about, well, everything. Hello, 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 everybody. Welcome back to the Radically Loved Podcast. I have missed you all so much. I feel like it's been so long. I'm so grateful for Tessa to have done a couple of interviews for us. I loved getting the feedback from everybody. She is just so incredible. We're so lucky to have her. And we will be doing Wisdom Wednesdays, hopefully here in the next couple of weeks. And I'll also be updating you on a couple of life happenings. First of all, 2023, happy new year. I'm so, so excited for this year. I am trying to practice non-attachment because as every year passes, we're getting older. And I feel like the older we get sometimes for some of us, the more pressure we put on ourselves, but I've decided that I'm not doing that this year. That being said, this revelation came to me after I read Martha Beck's book called The Way of Integrity, Finding the Path to Your True Self, which was an incredible read. She's actually our guest today. She's a best-selling author, life coach, and speaker who specializes in helping individuals and groups achieve greater levels of personal and professional success. She has been featured on so many notable outlets. She really is somebody who teaches from a place of wholeheartedness and honesty. And I just love the way that she writes. She is here today to talk to us about integrity and this book, her process in writing this book, and hopefully to give us some great tips to how to start the new year. So here's my conversation with Martha Beck. Now that we're on a first name basis, Marty, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Rosie. <laughs> I have talked about this book because it's been out for a while, right? Like a couple yeah, of years now. The, this is the paperback launch yeah. about a year ago. Yeah. Yeah. And I read it when it came out because wow. I am friendly with a lot of publishers out there since we have uh -huh. guests. So, so I got an advanced copy of it when it came out originally. Yes. And I remember at the time, I think just the state of the world <laughs> during that year. <laughs> no kidding. Yeah. Right. I think I got into about chapter two and I think it was just like, I can't think about any of this right now. Like the world, the world is coming to an end. Yeah, no kidding. After, you know, a couple of months, once we all got used to the new norm, it really struck me and it really helped me get through a lot of challenges that I was going through. And I think no matter where you are in your life and in your career or what age you are, I think that a lot of the lessons and a lot of the teachings that you talk about in this book, they're so timeless. And mm -hmm. 
I really felt like a sense of comfort and ease. Oh, oh that makes me so happy. Oh, good. So I guess the first thing I, I'd love for you to talk about is the definition of integrity and what your definition is. Yeah. It kind of sounds like Sunday school, like have integrity, you know, don't commit sins <laughs> and I'm not religious. So the definition to me is the literal definition of integrity, which means to be one thing whole and intact. And it's like, if you are, if you are split from yourself, you're in duplicity. That's two things. Integrity is when you're just one thing. So it's like an airplane. If all the parts are working together is in structural integrity and everything flies and if it falls out of structural integrity, it crashes, not because it's done anything wrong, but because things have to be aligned with reality in order to work. And that's the whole definition for me. Yeah. And I love that because initially, of course, the common definition that most of us think about is, oh, you just, it's being honest and being truthful. Mm -hmm. And rarely, I didn't think about it until I read it there, where the idea of aligning and being intact and doing the things that make you feel whole as opposed to what I think is going to make me happy is really, I think it's a big obstacle that just we as a society face with the advent of social media and how we're constantly trying to aspire to some vision of success that we see out in the world. And it takes us out of what actually makes us happy, especially now. I mean, I'm curious for you, and this is a little, I've got my list of questions. I want to make sure I ask you these, but okay. I'm also just curious, like we're in an age where there's so much anxiety and so much fear, especially in the last couple of years, right? That we've gone through. It seems like there was a lot of people that were going through this journey of self-inquiry, a lot of people quitting their jobs, a lot of divorces, a lot of people just sort of having the time that we need to do that inner work, right? That self-reflection. I'm curious what your observation has been with either the people that you work with still or people that you've worked with, people you know. What do you think the biggest source of anxiety is right now for people? <laughs> so funny because I'm just signed a contract to write a book about anxiety. So I've been studying <laughs> hardcore for the last year since the other one came out and you have nailed the problem. Because the first thing is, it's not just recent. Every baby, every human baby is born really socially impressionable. So we were born to be our true selves. And by the time we're like four or five months old, like tiny itty bitty creatures, we notice that the adults around us like it better when we smile than when we cry or that, you know, we're, we're subtly being shaped. And because we're so social, when there's a conflict between our true nature and the pressure we get from culture, which means any other person or group of people, we sell out our true nature hard and we just become whatever the culture wants us to be. What's happening now, though, is that the culture has become so huge and so ubiquitous. And there's so many sources. I was reading a book by a wonderful author named Catherine May, who is autistic. And she was saying, 150 years ago, I may not even have known I was autistic because there would not have been flashing lights and a hundred voices a day and thousands of faces. Yeah. We didn't evolve for this. So what happens is we're freaking out because we're trying to conform with a culture that has become so huge and vast and speedy that it's beyond our capacity and we're freaking out. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's a lot. 
it's a lot for us to handle, I think. And I feel like a huge distraction. It keeps us distracted or it keeps us in that, in the woods, like you talk about, it keeps us in that state of not seeing the reality of, of the world or we're constantly numbing what is present. And I really like that at the beginning of the book, the different exercises. I think there's an exercise where you give certain statements and we're supposed to answer them out loud as you're reading it, you know, like I'm sad or I'm afraid or, you know, all the fears that we have. And you talk about how saying it out loud, if one of those resonate or all of them resonate, for some reason, when I read, I'm like, they all resonate with me. Me too. And and you, you say, if this gives you a sense of comfort, then you've said something that feels like a relief to you. And I'm like, oh, what a breath of fresh air to be able to feel the the ease of that truth. And I feel like in the industry that we're in, or, you know, for me anyway, being in, in the world of the health and wellness and I feel like, oh, we're not supposed to feel those things because we're right. supposed to be the models of mental health and we're supposed to have everything, everything be perfect. And especially with social media, you know, I I spent a lot more time than I do now. I had to take a break for my own mental health. (laughs) And I feel like being honest sometimes feels like we failed somehow. Mm, Yeah. So can you talk a little bit about that? Sure. Well, it's the same. The thing is, it's actually quite simple, but it has many forms. So suffering, internal psychological suffering, it doesn't come from experiencing bad things. It comes from being separated from what we truly are. So the moment we try to, for example, try to be a better person when we're little, we have left, we have condemned our true selves and the split between what we're trying to appear to be and what we really are is stressful. So what you're talking about is a subculture, the self-help and wellness industry, where the culture says, if you're one of us, you have no problems. You better show up looking just right. And if you have no problems and you're enlightened, then that is going to work well for you. But a lot of people in this industry and every industry, we try so hard to appear to be something we're not that we make ourselves sick. We, We split ourselves from our integrity and we get sicker than anybody. Like... People who are trying to be perfect. Another group is religious people, you know, religious leaders and stuff. People are trying that hard that they're hiding their humanity and their flaws. They get crazier than other people and less whole and less wholesome and good for other people. So any culture you're in is going to pressure you to be a certain way. And the moment it's not who you really are and you start to fake something that you're not, You've split and you will suffer. And that is not a judgment on you. It is physics. It is biology. It is the nature of not living your truth that it hurts because your body and your psyche are trying to get you back to your truth. And suffering is the only thing that will get you to re-examine what you're doing. Yeah. I mean, it's so interesting how we don't actually examine any of it until we're in a state of suffering (laughs) or a state or something happens or we're really sick or we're, our relationship is going, you know, through something really terrible because we've not been honest. There's, there's so, there's so many things. And I've always been a big fan of 
sharing truth and honesty. In fact, right before we came on, I was telling you about how, yeah, like I stole, I tried, attempted GTA. It wasn't a full Grand Theft Auto, but I tried to steal a cop car when I was a teenager and I was completely sober. And it, the whole experience was just very bizarre, but it was a huge source of shame for me, especially when I got into, when I became a yogi and I was teaching Uh. meditation and I'm like, at the time living in Portland, Oregon, we were back in LA now, but we had moved to Portland, Oregon to, you know, try something new. And I was like, I can't talk about this. This is, this is just people would think differently of me. I want them to think of me as being this like really well-studied individual, you know, and it was scary for me to talk about it, to talk about my past or how I grew up. There was a huge source of shame around, you know, being poor and growing up in an environment where, yeah, like there was 10 people that lived in our tiny two bedroom apartment, like that kind of experience. And the more I started to open up about it, the more I found that people related to it. And there were more people who, there were some people, I'm not gonna lie, there were some people who were a little bit turned off by me talking about it. They didn't understand how it had anything to do with what I was teaching. But Mm. I think it makes so much sense when you're thinking about something that brings you back to that truth of of who you are, that place where you do feel fulfilled. And it was like such a huge relief to be able to be honest, you know? Yeah. And to to hear someone being honest, we're starved of authenticity. We're starved for integrity in ourselves and in other people. And yeah, one of the interesting things is that if you take the sentence, what I most want you never to know about me is this. And then you replace that with what I most want you to know about me is this. They'll be the same thing. It's when we open our shame and say, wait, okay, I once tried to steal a cop car. You just told me that. And I was like, Wow, cool. <laughs> and I grew up Mormon and like I never tried to steal a cop car, but I did things that are, I think, kind of weirdly similar, like in my own crazed way. But it was just so, I was like, wow, you're a yogi who once stole a cop car. I am in. And that's what people don't realize is that when we are honest and when we don't cover ourselves because of our fear of the shame, We give everybody the chance to not feel ashamed. And some people will run away from that because they're still gripped by the culture and it threatens their duplicity. It threatens their mask. And what I say in the book is they'll always say, you're attacking my way of life. Mm -hmm. You know, if you think differently than I do, if you've got a different set of standards, you're attacking my way of life. But that's because their way of life is the only thing holding them together. The cultural pressure is the only thing holding them together because they've lost touch with who they are at the deepest way. Yeah. And when we go in and, and talk honestly about the things we're most ashamed about, that we come more quickly into integrity and things start healing inside us and around us. Hello, friends. Perhaps you've heard me talk about Remedy Plus before on this podcast, or you've seen me post about them on social media. I love this brand because they make the tastiest performance boosting products I've ever tried. And what makes Remedy Plus super special is that they use only the finest plant-based ingredients, so you can feel great knowing that you're energizing your body naturally. 
Two of my favorite Remedy Plus products are their delicious chocolate berry flavored protein bar and their cinnamon agave flavored energy shot. And now these two great items are going to be made available for purchase together in Remedy Plus's newest offering, the Power Pack. Each Power Pack contains one protein bar and one energy shot. And it is a super smart way to fuel your body either before a workout or simply to tie you over in between meals. Look, we all know that when your batteries are running low, performance levels are completely affected. I choose to incorporate Remedy Plus into my daily routine because I wanna get the most out of my day and I wanna do so naturally. Remedy Plus products taste great and they help me raise my game in everything I do. See what Remedy Plus can do for you. Visit www.myremedyproducts.com to learn more. And if you use code ROSIE20, you will save 20% off of all of their great performance supporting products. That's myremedyproducts.com. Use the code ROSIE20. Or you can simply go to the info button of this podcast and click the link. You know, one of the things too that a lot of our audience asks that we talk about, especially with our guests when we have experts come on, the idea of being on a path of uh, self-inquiry or doing any type of contemplative practice mm. and it being so opposite of the culture. And I I know about how you grew up again. It's like, I've read so many of your work. So I know <laughs> that's why I'm, I'm like, oh no, we definitely have a commonality. There is that thread, you know? Uh-huh. But I think that a lot of people you know, I'll speak to to my own, you know, experience, but in a lot of Hispanic cultures, when you are on this path, it can potentially spurn you from your tribe. It can take you away from the people that you love the most, whose support you love to have the most. And sometimes when you don't have it, because you're doing this work and perhaps it's reflecting to them the work that they're not doing, I think a lot of people feel that isolation. So what is your take on that? And what would you recommend to people that are going through that? Yeah. Like my own situation was kind of extreme. Anytime you decide I am going to live completely according to my integrity, you will find yourself taking pieces of yourself back from the surrounding cultures. Like your family culture might not be quite like I was gay. My family culture was not okay with that. So when I reclaim that, I lose to some extent the culture around me. And I was also raised very, very Mormon. So for me, coming back into my integrity in my late 20s meant that I really violated the all the strictures of my culture and I lost almost every relationship I had and I got myself back. And guess what? Every single relationship I had did not add up to having my true self back. It was mm-hmm. when I started to lose everything that I got everything back. But most people won't have that dramatic an experience. You'll just find that when you get into integrity, you feel peaceful. My partner calls it looking weird and feeling good. So it's like, oh, I'm a lesbian ex-Mormon. Well, that feels so much better when I just say it. And it looks weird to a lot of people and they won't like you. And maybe years later, they'll come to you and say, I also am a lesbian ex-Mormon. And they will have been freed by your story or whatever their story is. So you are going to actually rock boats, not maybe, but yes, but don't worry. Even the most dramatic uh, versions of that are survivable and healing. And I'm sure that you've had experiences like having your tribal culture. We all have tribal cultures of all different kinds. So your little family and then your ethnicity and your community 
pull away as you become more honest. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, it's true. I wrote about this a little bit in the book. I talk about how, yeah, when I was in high school, I was on probation and after, you know, my sentencing and all that stuff, I actually, I was so afraid of going to jail that I wanted to do all of my probation and make sure that that didn't happen. Cause I, I, it was almost like going to juvenile hall or juvenile detention was a rite of passage. And I just didn't want to go through that. And, and it just felt like the only way for me to survive was to excommunicate myself from, I mean, we're talking like cousins, like people that I grew up with. Right. So I'm in high school, my last two years of high school, I had to essentially, and it's kind of a tricky thing. It's hard for me to articulate this when I'm talking about it. Maybe that's why I had such a hard time writing about it because I'm like, it is the decision to live in your highest self or to live to your integrity or to live the best version of yourself was twofold for me because one, I had to make the decision and two, I had essentially excommunicate myself from everybody I loved, all of my friends, and I had to completely isolate myself for two reasons. The first one, obviously, that was the best choice for me to do at that time because it only got me in trouble. And two, because it was actually dangerous for me. Some of these people were angry that I left, you know, that I was no longer friends with them and they were, they wanted to beat me up. They wanted to, you know, so it was just for a teenager to have to go through that. I think about it a lot now. And I think that's why I'm able to like march to the beat of my own drum now. Cause I'm just like, (laughs) fuck it. I don't care. Like I'll do whatever. And it doesn't matter because I know that I think going back to your point of when you're going through that, you feel empowered by that decision and you feel strong. You feel that strength. Yeah. It's the strength of simply being your real self, of not standing in some other self outside your uh, reality. And once your feet are in the ground of, of truth, there's a sense of health that comes back. And it's so deep that even when you lose loved ones, I mean, I grieve massively over the loss of my whole family and all my friends from, I grew up in this super Mormon place. So when I left Mormonism, it's the one sin worse than murder. You know, you're dead, you're gone forever to outer darkness is what they call it. Did I grieve that? You bet I did. But when your feet are on the ground of your truth, there is a sense of peace of just this bedrock reality that I finally understood why they said the truth will set you free. And it's not some truth somebody's telling you. You find it, as you said, Rosie, you said you find it in a room by yourself alone when you give voice to the things that are most deeply terrifying to you. You start to come home to the things you've hidden from other people. And well-being grows from that root. And does that mean you'll never have problems and you'll be perfect in every way? Of course not. But does it mean you'll always be able to find your way back, no matter who's yelling at you, no matter who deserts you or dies or whatever? Yes. Having your reality, your integrity means you'll always be able to find your way home. Is there a affirmation or some words of wisdom that you think about when you've been in a position like that, where you feel like I have to make a really hard decision, where you pull on from? Do you have like a reservoir of wisdom or like what happens to you when you have to make a hard decision like that? Well, there's one sentence that I have tested. I have gone all over the world. I've coached people in different cultures and different 
I've coached people in barrios, in slums in Africa, in prisons, as well as billionaires and people in penthouses on the Upper West Side. And everyone seems to respond with the re- with a truth reaction inside to this one sentence. And that sentence is, I am meant to live in peace. So if you say that to yourself a few times silently, if somebody's listening out there, you just sit, I'm meant to live in peace. I'm meant to live in peace. I'm meant to live in peace. It has a physiological effect on your biochemistry, on your brain, on your heart. I mean, literal physical heart as well as your emotions. And there's this settling. If I start in peace and then I look at the two sides of a decision, one will bring me more peace than the other. It's that simple. And if I walk in the direction of peace, I'm always going to at least find the way to wholeness. If I'm not constantly whole, I will find the way if I go with what brings me more peace, always. Do you think it's possible for somebody to live in peace if they're doing something or a job, for example, that they don't love to do? You know, if they're doing it for a reason that is very true and peaceful for them, like after I left Mormonism, I left left my family, I left my home, I left, I was a professor and I left my job and academia. I lost, I left everything in order to be true to myself. I made a new year's resolution that I would not lie for an entire calendar year. And that was the year all this came down. But I was jobless. I was married at the time. My husband also jumped from his academic job. And um, I remember needing money. I wanted to be a writer and that felt really peaceful, but I wasn't getting published. It was hard to get published. I was getting a lot of rejection letters. So I took a job, a part-time job teaching at a business school. And I remember thinking this is going against my integrity because academia is wrong for me. And I went to teach the first class and I came back and I thought, what's happening to me? That felt really sweet, really peaceful. And I want to do it again. And it was those students in that class that convinced me to leave and become a coach and not just a writer. I didn't understand yet that integrity doesn't take you down one social row and say, this is what you'll be forever. It says today, this is peace. And tomorrow that is peace. At that point, it was peace for me to be married. Later, it was peace for me to be divorced. It was peace for me to teach that class. It was peace for me when I left that class. So you just have to always be allowing things to be flowing and mobile and just constantly checking in with your own sense of peace because you're not just being pushed into a shoot like culture sends you. You are being led to your destiny, which is wild and singular and no one can ever know it but you. I love that. I don't even know how to follow up from that. I'm like, yes, preach it. You're such a badass. (laughs) (laughs) At you. No, Let's I steal a car. No, I know. that's not peace. <laughs> Marty, how could you? I'm like, let's do it. Let's do it. Oh my goodness. No, that is so, that is so funny. Well, when I started meditating, right? So it was really difficult for me because I thought it was weird. I thought I grew up in a very Catholic household. In fact, yeah. I was kicked out of catechism class, which is like, you know, Sunday school, Because I questioned, there was this incident that I've talked about before, how during the communion ceremony, when they're going to do the Eucharist, where you take the body and blood of Christ, the nun, the teacher of our catechism class was telling us that we would see God's hand come down and touch the body and blood of Christ. And, 
you know, we we would be experiencing a miracle. And so we went back to the room after the service and I'm like looking like laser focused, you know, my eyes are just mm-hmm. waiting to see that hand come down. And we go back to the classroom and everybody, the nun asks, okay, kids, how many of you saw God's hand come down to touch the body and blood of Christ? Everybody but me raised their hand. And I was like, oh my God, what is wrong with me? What is happening? I didn't see it. Like honest in church. Oh yeah, right. (laughs) And I was scared. And that was the thing at that point. I was not afraid of, I'd lied to cops already. I was a really good perjurer at the age of six. Like (laughs) it was like that. So I didn't have an issue with fibbing, you know, that was like, or straight up lying. I didn't have an issue with that, but I didn't want to do it in the house of God because I was like, God knows everything, you know, that is. And even as children, we sense it to lie about something that is that deep as us is an act of soul murder. Right. And I had the same thing growing up Mormon and they would, they would challenge you. Have you experienced this miracle? And they'd be like, uh, I think so. And they'd be like, okay, that's good enough. But I felt, I wasn't as honest as you. I was like, all right, but uh, you know, everybody grows, all the men get their own planets if they're good. Uh, okay. I'm three. What do I know? So I didn't have your honesty, but I felt like my soul was being murdered when I agreed with it. Yeah. And it took so long to break free from that. Because even as an adult, I thought, well, what harm can it do to tell a few little fibs about your spiritual experiences? See, the problem I had, the reason I took an oath not to lie for a year was that I actually had a spiritual experience. My son was born uh, just before then, and he had Down syndrome. He was diagnosed late in the pregnancy. And um, when he was like on board in my body, I had a lot of, like, I was kind of psychic, to be honest. And here I am, I'm at the time, I'm getting a PhD at Harvard, and I'm not supposed to be psychic, okay? It's like a whole different religion from Mormonism. So I'm having these experiences, like being able to see things that are happening to people I love when I'm not there, and then having it check out is real. And I'm like, oh my God, I think there's something real. And so then I became obsessed with finding it. And I decided, all right, I'm going to try telling the truth. And guess what, folks? It works. But, you know, buckle up a little. Buckle up on the social level. And then drop into peace on the inner level. Take it from me, the inner level peace is better than the outer level, no conflict. Wow, that is so powerful. And so obviously that helped pave the way for the structure of how you live your life now, I would imagine. Yeah. Plus, you know, here's my son and he's not normal, right? He's not, he doesn't fit the definition of normal. And people would tell me, well, if you really work hard with him, you can get him to be almost normal in certain ways. And I thought, what? Like I looked around me at Harvard and I'm like, I don't see that many happy people around me. You're very accomplished, but you don't seem happy. And then I thought, why are they trying to force me? It's like, I went to the pet store to get a puppy and I came home with a kitten And they said, okay, well, if you work hard with a kitten, you can get it to bark and wag its tail a little. And I was like, well, how about we just see what cats do by themselves? If I just let him grow up and give him opportunities to be whatever he is. And then it immediately transferred to everyone else. What if I stop insisting that anyone be normal? And I just say, let's take off all the restraints and see what you are if you are yourself. And that's what I started doing with clients. And that's how I became this coach thing, which I don't even know how that happened. But it's just, 
I love she does air quotes, by the way, if you're not watching this video on YouTube. Right. You're just listening. <laughs> I don't know. It sounds kind of, uh, I don't know, stupid. Why but, is it? Why? Why though? I want to know why. Know. It's a weird, because it's like, you know, late night sales stuff. It feels a little, it feels a, now. I don't think it did back in the day that I think it had a different gravitas back in the day you know i, I feel like now so. it's lost it's it does feel it ever did <laughs> really oh my god yeah, because coach is like i gotta it's like i'm gonna give motivational speeches or you'll end up in a van down by the river no 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 because it's not anything that fits a cultural model there's nothing it's like you come sit in a room with me or you come to a thing or whatever and what i will say is take off all the cultural strictures what are you in your essence? Just be it. Let's see what happens. Let's see where you go. And every single person is not just my son who's different from everybody else. We're all different from everybody else. And if we just all get together and say, here's the one principle, we will be true to ourselves and then see what we become. I am telling you, it is magic. It oh. is absolute magic. Yeah, I want that. I strive for that. You know, I, I'd love to just continue my path. I call myself, I'm a, a perpetual student. I will be a student until the day I die. I love learning. I love being in the state of experience. I don't love unsavory moments, but I know that they make us, they shape us. They they make us who who we are. They give us character, right? Yeah. What has mothering taught you about yourself it has taught me how much how absolutely vital it is to simply witness other people with unconditional acceptance at all times there is no baby born on this earth who does not want to be good who does not want to be loved who does not have a unique being to express. And when you watch that with a child and you see it growing before you, the sacredness, the absolute sacredness of a human soul in this, or of a soul of any kind in this little tiny human body, it takes your breath away. And then you walk around and you see all these people walking on the street and you're like, oh my God, every single one of you is a miracle. And there is no way you could ever be divorced from unconditional love because you are like, nothing could stop me from loving you. And that's parenting teaches a lot of people that has taught me that. And, and it, it generalizes to the rest of the world. Yeah. I love that. What is your wish for every single person that reads this book? Oh, oh, comfort, safety, home, sanctuary, not in the book, in the self. I hope it just turns them back in toward themselves. And if you go deep enough into your own self, you know, space goes out infinitely away from us, but it also goes infinitely inward. You know, mathematically, there's an infinity that goes inward. And when you go far enough inside, you find this source of consolation, love, comfort, sweetness, home, truth, peace, all the words that we throw at it, it can't be described with any of those things, but we're all carrying it. And we all feel when we're split from it. And we all long to return to it. And I hope maybe there are some instructions here that will make that a little easier for, for everyone who reads the book. Oh, 
Marty, that's the I love you so much. I felt every single bit of that when I read this. In fact, wow. I started rereading it again last week. I knew we were going to chat and I just, I found new little wisdom nuggets in there for me that I hadn't noticed when I read it back when it came out. I love that. I feel like that happens a lot when I reread books. You know, there's sometimes you're not really hearing sure. the things that, you know, some some things land differently. So I, I really hope that everybody that's listening to this, if you haven't picked it up already, definitely check out the way of integrity. I'm holding it up here. If you're watching this on YouTube, finding the path to your true self. Uh, Martha Beck narrates this. If you're audible person, or if you want to listen to the audiobook, I like to do both. I like to read and I also like to listen. So for those of you out there who are interested, I do have one final question before I, I, I feel like we're not, we've not even really like Got into this again, Rosie. Yeah, we definitely do for sure. Before I ask you the final question, where can people go for more information or to connect with you? MarthaBeck.com. It's on the website. That's where we all are since the pandemic, anyway, right? (laughs) It's true. It's true. So we'll put the link in the show notes. So wherever you get your podcasts, if you go to the info button, the links will all be there, as well as Marty's socials, if she's on there or not. Not sure. Kind of like I like you took a break for a while, yeah. but I have programs that spit out little. Oh, things. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's nice. <laughs> I, I like to do that too. That's great. So, final question I asked this to all of my guests, and this being the first show of the year that people are going to listen to, I'm curious to hear your answer. So, I started Radically Loved as this idea that we are all on this journey of life and that we all are radically loved by God, source, universe, whatever higher power you believe in, that the universe works for us and not against us. Mm -hmm. And it's part of our innate nature to be and feel radically loved. So the question to you is, how do you feel radically loved? Every single morning I wake up and I have what's called morning anxiety. I used to wake up screaming. I'm not kidding. For like decades. <laughs> that, that was what actually woke me up. Now I wake up and it's just like, oh no. <laughs> it's just this biological, oh no, for a few seconds. And then, and it's like this echo from a lifetime of anxiety. And then I stop and I think, am I in trouble? Is anything in trouble? And then I just listen and what, and and there's a sensation that soaks into me and it says, Marty, you're not in trouble. You're not in trouble. Nobody's in trouble. Don't worry. You're not in trouble. And it's a physical sensation of warmth and sweetness that actually goes through my physical heart. And then I'm in my real self and I can get out of bed. <laughs> I love that. That's very comforting. I'm I have a very similar story of how I wake up and I and I love really? that. You can feel the blanket of that radical love, and that's what wakes you up. Because we're not we're not in any special category. We we wake up anxious too. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh no, I've never. I'm like I don't have it figured out. I'm like be wary of the people that tell you they have all the answers because that is something to be scared of. Everyone, thank you so much for being here. I love you all so much. Happy New Year. Happy 2023, Marty. You are 
an incredible teacher, guide, uh, sage. Your wisdom knows no bounds. I just want to say thank you personally for Mm -hmm. being somebody that I've looked up to, whose work I've read, who's inspired me. And um, I'm so glad that we were finally able to connect. Thank Thank you, you, Rosie. It's wonderful to know you. Let's do this again sometime. Oh, let's do it. I'm going to hold you to that. Everybody out there. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much for listening to the Radically Loved Podcast. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts and follow us on Facebook at Radically Loved Rosie, on Instagram at Rosie Acosta, and Twitter at Rosie Acosta. By the way, this is original music by DJ Taz Rashid. You can follow DJ Taz on Spotify and check out the best music for yoga and meditation. This has been a Mod Pod Studio production. Check them out at www.modpodstudio.com. <laughs>